0: You're listening to the Life Church Livonia podcast, a show where you can hear the teachings from our weekend gatherings. You can catch the full service on our Facebook or YouTube, and head over to our website if you'd like to give. Here, we're real people following a real God and experiencing real life. Welcome to Life Church Livonia. Well, welcome, and uh, thanks for allowing me this opportunity to be with you today. As we move forward, the series that you've been in, uh, "Better Together." And today we're going to talk about a better way, a better way of handling the conflicts that exist within our body, within our inside, outside. And the text that you have been uh, working through in the course of this series comes from Matthew 7, verse 1 through 6, and it says, Do not judge, or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, You will be judged with the measure you use. It will be measured to you. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye, when all the time there's a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite. First take the plank out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Do not give dogs what is sacred. Do not throw your pearls to pigs. If you do, they may trample them under their feet and turn and tear you to pieces. Let's pray. Thank you, Father, for this opportunity and I pray now that you would be with us. You would guide the words that come would be from you. That you would encourage our hearts and challenge our hearts in this time. Thank you for the power of your word. And might we live in it, walk in it, and rejoice and celebrate in it. So again, we commit this time into your hands. Amen. Amen. A few years ago, I had cataract surgery the curse of a 71-year-old. And they did the right eye and everything went just exactly the way it was supposed to do. And they said, well, it's time to do the left eye also. So I went in, had the second eye done, everything went right according to schedule. I went back for my final exam. That's still at 71, I do have final exams. And I went to the final exam. It got all done, all of a sudden I heard the doctor look and kinda go, hmm. And I looked and I said, that does not sound great. So I looked at her and I said, "Uh, what's happening? She said, well, we have a little problem. In medical cataract surgery, a little problem is not a good word. And so as we went through, I said, okay, what's happened? She said, well, everything in your right eye went right on schedule. So your left eye, she said, evidently the cavity in your left eye is just a little bit bigger. And so when we had the lens with the grippers on it, when it went in, it didn't grip at the right places and it just rotated a little bit. And I said, oh, okay, so what does that mean? Well, I'm recommending that you have surgery again. And I said, oh, good, thank you, praise God, from whom all surgeries flow. And we went through and we went through the whole thing. I went back and I got the pre-ops, I'm there, and I got the same two nurses I had the first time. And they looked, they said, what are you doing here? And I said, well, you getting the other eye done? No, no, this one didn't work, and so they have to redo it. And the one nurse looked at me, who was a a Christian that we had talked about, the Lord, before. She said, what happened? And I said, well, they said the cavity's bigger, and it rotated, and they have to redo it. In short, I think what happened is, I didn't get the plank out of my own eye in time. And I stretched my cavity Of my eye and so what I'm learning right now is if you don't get the plank out of your own eye you will cause damage to your vision a better way my fear is that we are dealing with today where a lot of us as Christians our vision is distorted so how do we do this how do we go after this what do we do and so I'd start with you with the idea of What's normal? You'd be like, what are you talking about? No, what's normal? What is your style? If we're going to talk about a better way, the first thing we have to do is we need to take a look and we need to know our style. The Bible tells us, let a person examine themselves. Take a look. And so I like this part of it because I look and I say, okay, we're going to take a look what's normal. If you tend to be a personality that tends to run and hide from things. The Bible talks about grace and truth. You'll say, well, I'm the one runs and hides. No, no, I'm the one who shows grace. In our spiritual words for that is, no, I just love everybody. On the other side, you got the person who's ready to stand and fight and they're ready to go after it, and they're ready to fight their way through things, and they're going to, woo-hoo, and to those people, you tend to lean to the truth. Remember, Jesus came full of grace and truth. Full, both. And now we come over here, and if you tend to be this person, the words out of your mouth, I'm not afraid to speak boldly. And the question that, needs to be asked when we deal with conflict which way do I lean I'm not way over here I tend to lean on the grace side and today I went through a tough one conflict within some things I'm working with and guess what I leaned to the grace side I think that was the right decision I think the Lord was honored and glorified in what we did was it, conflict? Yep. Hard? Yes. So, the first thing I'd like to suggest to you is know yourself. How do I tend to handle these things? Uh, I've, I've done a seminar that's called When is it Time to Stand Up and Speak Up? Boldness. And when is it time to sit down and shut up? And as we deal with conflict, what a great prayer. Because I'm gonna suggest five things to you that I think help us in this process of a better way of conflict within our own body and outside with others. Five things I'd like to suggest to you. As we go after it, a better way. Number one, are you praying? And you say, "Well, come on, Bob, that's a, okay. That's the Christian answer to everything. And what I want to challenge us with is the idea, of, no, no, are you praying? Concern I have for my own life? Sometimes I go after conflict more than I go after prayer. And as we pray in Psalm 138, verse 3, David writes, When I called, you answered me. You, God, made me, David, bold and stout-hearted. If you study the life of David, and we know some of his history, David was pretty bold in his own right. His steps with Uriah, that's pretty bold stuff. His steps with Bathsheba, bold. Bold. But David came to a point where he said, I need a boldness and stout-heartedness made of God. And he prayed. And David rejoiced and celebrated. When I called, you answered me. You made me bold and stout-hearted. Each year I try to take a verse from the Bible and just, I pray over it. I've already started my prayer for 2023. Lord, what might be something I need to work on? a few years ago, that was my verse. And I prayed, Lord, I desire a boldness and stout-heartedness made from you. When we think of the idea of prayer, we all look and say, it's obvious we should pray. Good. I know that it's obvious. Secondly, we talk it well. But do we practice it well? pausing for a minute because that's been a challenge in my life and the things God has allowed me to be part of how many people have I looked at and said I'm going to pray for you and by the time I get out the door six other things have happened and I forgot one of the disciplines I've tried to practice is when I say that to somebody I try to stop right then and there and pray I talk it well and I've tried to do things to practice it well, better and better. A better way is our prayer life. And then the last thing I wrote down, is our claim to praying simply lip service? Are we just saying, oh yeah, I should, ooh. Yeah, I pray, oh, Lord, hey, go get them, Lord. First thing, a better way in handling conflict is to pray. When you go into a conversation where there's conflict or you're going into a meeting where there's conflict, are you taking time to get apart from everything else and simply say, Lord, I want you to be glorified in this? Number two, a better way? Do you know what you believe? 2 Timothy 2.15, study... To show yourself approved unto God, a workman who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. So many times in our gatherings when there's conflict, we forget all about this idea and we start throwing out things that, oh, this person said this or this, and I think, and I, do you know what you believe? Do you know what you believe? Can I encourage you in the process of all that you're, we're doing, a better way, take time to know what you believe. And as you do that, there's two things. Define your majors and take a look at your minors. For me, and I think for all Christians, what do, what do you mean, Bob, the majors? I know what I believe, When it comes to salvation through Jesus Christ, and we'll talk a little bit about it at the end, salvation through Jesus Christ, that is a major to me. And the second major is that in practical, simple, straightforward, how am I doing at growing in my relationship with the Lord? How am I doing at growing? in my relationship with the Lord. And as you walk through and you try to figure it all out, to me, those are the two major things. Walked up to a young man one time, put my arm around him, and I said, how you doing, buddy? He goes, okay. I said, are you growing? And he looked at me and he said this, (laughs) ever, ever, ever so slowly, And I looked at him and I said, praise God you're growing. And sometimes we get all bent and we want to see these huge leaps and everything else. But day by day that we're growing. And how would we do that? And so as you look through, and then you come to the minors. And when you come to the minors, all the stuff of how we do things, what we do and all of those things, those are important. But would you study those things to come to know what you believe and study those things prayerfully, calmly, and with a desire to grow and learn? Take a look and understand. What are those minors? Too many times right now, we are having huge, huge conflict over things that I consider to be minor. When you go into conflict within the body, when you go into conflict, start on the same pathway. We believe in Jesus Christ as our Savior. He died on the cross for me. And we believe in Jesus Christ as our Lord. And when you agree Jesus is Savior and Lord, and that's the basis, that's your platform that's the foundation of what you're going to build the other things tend to fall into place and we end up having discussions and we say wow i never knew that i didn't think it could go that well know what you believe thirdly listen well listen well do i need to say it again listen well James 1.9, be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to anger. Proverbs 1.5, let the wise listen and add to their understanding. My fear is I've gotten older and I've tried to understand how's this aging process and all those things. One of my fears is, As I've gotten older, I'm afraid my mouth gets bigger and my ears get smaller. And I want to make sure I'm a listener. And a couple things as we walk through this. Number one, listening is more than just letting someone talk. I've watched it. Sometimes people start talking and it's like, okay, we're all listening and we're all over the place. Listening is more than just allowing someone to talk. Listening is trying to engage and hear what's being said. Secondly, we like it when others listen to us, right? We like it when we feel we've been listened to. Hmm. Might we, as the Bible teaches, might we be wise enough to set the example of how to listen. And when it comes to conflict and dealing with a better way, make sure that we're taking time to listen. Third thing about listening, listening does not mean doing what others say. Listening means hearing, trying to understand and grasp a hold of what they're saying. It does not mean that I might go out and do whatever they say. Too many times people come to me and said, they don't listen to me. I said, Well, what do you mean they don't listen? Well, I told them they should do this and this, and they didn't do it. Good listening does not necessarily mean we do what everybody tells us. Listening means we take in the information, we process, we pray over it, we take a look at it, and we make decisions. And then lastly, good listening opens the door to being able to ask wise questions. Because the fourth one I want to talk to you about and this idea of a better way, handling conflict. Be a wise question asker. Wait a minute, I want to tell the people what's wrong. I'm a fan of the Bible. I love God's word. It is awesome. And as I've read through, you know who one of the greatest question askers was? Jesus. Jesus. John 21, three times, matter of fact, he looks at Peter, and he asks him a question. Peter, do you love me? Peter, do you love me? Peter, do you love me? Guess what? Jesus knew the answer. And Jesus was asking a profound question so that Peter would think and examine. You come later and you look in John chapter 5, and Jesus meets a man at the pool of Bethesda. And he looks at the guy who's been 38 years an invalid, he's laying by the pool. When the waters get stirred up, he tries to get in and get healing. But he can't do it. And Jesus comes and Jesus sees the man. They have a conversation. And Jesus asks an unbelievably powerful question. Do you want to get well? I've said to many people, I've talked about this one. I've said it a ton of times. i said... You know, if I was laying there, just kind of, oh, I can be kind of smart sometimes, and whew, I think I'd look at Jesus and say, "No, I'm here because, uh, you know, all the good-looking women walk past here. Woo-hoo. No, I'm laying here, Jesus, because I get a good suntan. Of course, I'm here because I want to get well." And Jesus looks at all of us. And when we come to conflict in a better way, I, I, I look at it, and I, I think sometimes Jesus is looking at us and says, Bob, do you want to get well? Or do you like the misery of this conflict? Are you going to grow from it? Or are you going to throw a pity party over it? And Jesus asks questions. And I believe for us in resolving conflict, a better way, is that if we would learn to be wise question askers, what does that look like? You ask questions to learn, not to trap somebody. We're back to motives. You're asking to learn. Know your motive while you're asking questions. Secondly, the manner in which we ask is important. We can either turn people on or turn people off. We can either open doors to settling conflict or we can slam them shut and increase the conflict by the manner in which we ask questions, by the manner in which we talk to people. The next one about listening. When somebody comes to you and says, I don't know, how do we respond? I don't know. I ask a good question, the person looks at me and says, I don't know. My tendency used to be to jump in right away and say, well, I do, so now listen, because I'm coming at you. And instead, what I've tried to do now is I've tried to be gracious and not at all arrogant, but open the conversation to say, you know, as I thought about it, here's a few thoughts I've had can I share those with you? Because maybe something will, will resonate with you and you'll be able to jump on top of it. Thank you, Bob. As we go through, how do we respond? How do we respond when people say, I don't know? Could the door be opening? And a better way is to make sure you listen and you do it with care with consideration, with love, and yet boldly. And the last one, when we are asked questions, please respond honestly. And it is okay, I believe, to look at people and say, I don't know. And finally, make friends, not enemies. If you go into conflict expecting to make enemies, you will. Again, in the Bible, Luke 15, I love this verse, New Living Translation is so the I like, when I read it. Tax collectors and other notorious sinners often came to listen to Jesus teach. What was it about Jesus that made a difference? Question, make friends, not enemies. How do I become more like Christ. within the family of Christ? How do we more Christ-like? How do I make friends? Not simply because I wanna rack them up, but because friends get to talk and good friends get to share hard things in love. Good friendship opens a door to somebody being able to confront you, to be able to where you can grow One of my life mentors one time stuck his finger in my face and said, you're not as spiritual a man as you think you are. (laughs) I, I wanted to bite his finger off. But I was smart enough to stop and say, what do you mean? And he looked at me and he says, you trust God more with Bear Lake Bible Camp than you trust him. You trust God more with your own personal life than you trust him with Bear Lake Bible Camp. And you know what, he was right. And to this day, I praise God for a friend who spoke boldly to me in deep love. She walked through the goal in resolving conflict. I just put down four, healing, restoration, learning, and growth. Did you catch it? The goal, healing. Hmm, the Lord healed lots of people, and the Lord has healed my life from the sin and things that I so easily get caught up in. Restoration, that I would be restored some relationship that got guts to him. And then, learning. 71 years old, please, Lord, open my eyes that I can continue to learn. I don't want to stop. And then growth. And growth opens the door to sharing with other people. You've heard me say this a number of times our attitudes matter. The goal in conflict is not to win, the goal in conflict is that honor and glory will be brought to Jesus Christ, that other people can see that there's a difference. As we finish it up, the last part is, know your audience when you're doing this, making friends and not enemies. What are you saying, Bob? You saying, I'm supposed to candy coat my words, or I'm supposed to this, or I'm supposed to this? No, I'm just saying, understand your audience. Sometimes people are ready to be confronted. Sometimes people need to make sure that they are being heard, and they almost exhaust themselves And they need to be heard, and I need to take more time in making sure that they know they've been heard. As you walk through, I just want to encourage you a better way. Number one, are you praying? Number two, do you know what you believe? Number three, are you working on listening and listening well? Number four, are you learning to ask wise questions, to open the door to conversation? And number five, are you desiring to make friends and not enemies? Enemies, sometimes people give you no choice. The Bible talks about it, that Jesus and all his love and everything he poured out, he still had people that didn't like what was happening, and they went after him to the point where they crucified him. But at the same time, you walk through all of those things and you watch Jesus and you watch what he did. Earlier, I referenced that we was going to kind of finish up with this idea of knowing the truth and the importance of the Savior, Jesus Christ. And a challenge to know what you believe. And sometimes I've come through and I've said, okay, here we go, Lord, how do I do this? As I prayed, salvation through Jesus Christ. And when I've come to my moments where I kind of, I'm wondering, I'm trying to figure it, I'm, I go back to the basics. My undergrad work in college was in history, my major was in history education. I went to Christian college and we studied Roman history. And the prof, uh, took Roman history and did the life of Jesus from Roman history. So when I get confused, I go back to this. Number one, history. History. Don't set aside the Bible in your life, but just for right now, just okay? History records a man named Jesus walked on the face of the earth. History records that he went about doing good things there were healings or miracles that people followed him and he had a large following of people. History talks about he became the enemy of people that didn't like the message. History records that he was arrested and put on trial. History records that he was taken to the cross and he died on the cross. History records that he was taken off of the cross and he was buried in a tomb. And history records that the tomb came up empty. And history stops and faith steps in. And I believe that every one of us needs to answer the question historically why is the tomb of Jesus empty? And the world has tried to answer that over the years. Oh, he really didn't die, and he just got in a tomb, and once he got in the cool place, he kind of resurrected himself, pushed away the stones, looked at the Roman soldiers and went boo, and they all passed out and he walked away. Others say the disciples came in and stole the body. Other people said, Well, they forgot which was the tomb that he was really buried in, they went to another tomb. The world's tried to answer the question. For us today, for Bob Tissett, why is the tomb of Jesus Christ empty? Jesus Christ, my Lord and Savior, rose in victory over death, hell, and the grave. Jesus Christ died on the cross, was buried, and rose again in victory to pay the price for my sin and for your sin. And if you've never made that decision, it is the greatest decision that you'll ever make. Remember, know what you believe. What do you believe about the empty tomb? Father, thank you for this time. Thank you for this opportunity. I just pray you would guide, direct, keep your hand upon us, challenge us, Lord. Help us to stand before you and say, Lord, I want your very, very best. And as I deal with conflict and I deal with all this stuff that I would come to you and I would seek your presence, your power, your strength. And that in the conflict that exists within the body, that we would address it in such a way that honor and glory would come to you. And others would see it and others would look and say, what is it, what's different about the way they do that? And that those pictures would get a picture those people would get a picture of Jesus Christ. Thank you for this opportunity. Commit ourselves to you now as I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.